You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. Anybody ready for the Word of God? So on Friday, I went to meet this guy. We were gonna meet about an hour from my house. I live in the neighborhood, as you know, and so I'm driving outside the city uh, north for an hour, and we were supposed to meet at four o'clock on Friday afternoon. Maybe not the best plans, but that's the way it worked out. And he said, hey, I gotta be out by five, so that's the window of time we gotta meet in. And we're gonna meet really quickly on a project that we're working on. So gets around three o'clock and I, I start wrapping things up and moving and adjusting some things. I start heading uh, up to meet this guy. And uh, lo and behold, I get on 400. It's just stopped. I don't know why, you know how it is in Atlanta. Don't need a reason. So everything's bogged down. But finally that opens up a little bit and I'm going north on 400. And then they decided, I guess a few days ago to move like all of 400 from over here to over there. I don't know if anybody noticed that or not. And so that all bogged down again. And then it started raining right as I'm on the way. And this is an outdoor project. And so I'm like, great, Uh, I might be late. It's raining, I got an hour to go. It's not the right time of day. I'm looking at the southbound traffic going and I got that to look forward to uh, on the way back. So this is gonna all work out great. But anyway, I just keep on going, no matter the traffic, no matter the road's not there, no matter, now it's starting to rain really, really hard. I get there, drive all the way to this place where I'm supposed to meet this guy at four o'clock. And when I pull up, what do you think happened? That dude was standing right there. It's kind of weird, isn't it? It was just a little bit of a setup because we're living in uncertain times. So the answer would be, of course, the guy didn't show up and you drove all the way there. But he was there. And the reason I drove there And this is a small example, mind you, was because I had faith in this guy. I knew him, I had met him before, he always had showed up, he was a person of reputable character, he was a guy who keeps his word, he's just kinda like a salt of the earth guy that you can depend on, and I had high confidence and faith that if I kept on driving, he was gonna be there when I got there at four o'clock. As it turns out, he actually was there a little ahead of me. And I just was thinking, going into this collection of talks called By Faith, If anybody here's driving, believing that you've heard from God, you know enough about God that you can trust God, you know that God has a good character and is dependable, you're confident in him based on things that have gone down in the past, and if he has called you to step out and walk on a path and walk on a road, you are sure that when you get there, he's gonna be there at the end of the journey he has called you on, and right now you are committed to living your life by faith. We were talking about this journey and Grant and Brad and myself will be carrying these talks together over the next few weeks and we knew we wanted to come out of Hebrews chapter 11 and I don't know anybody grew up in church, a lot of you are in a younger demographic but any older person here that's been around church long enough knows that uh, Hebrews 11 is where you go if you want to hear a message on faith. We called it growing up the hall of faith because it's all these people who live by faith and we needed a hall because the world had a hall of fame and we needed a, a hall of something so we had the hall of faith and that was Hebrews chapter 11. And 
in this chapter, we knew there was gonna be some of the, the fuel for what God wanted to do in our house over this next few weeks together. And as I went and began to dig in and study the text, lo and behold, the person who came along and put the little headers in the text so that we could find our way along, put the header at chapter 11 by faith. And so I knew we're on the right track because we've already decided we're gonna call this collection by faith. We're gonna call people to walk by faith. I get to the chapter which is the hall of faith and right above it is a little header called by faith and the first verse defines what faith is and it says this in verse one. It says now faith is being sure, can you say sure with me? Of what we hope for and certain, can anybody say certain with me tonight? Certain of what we do not see. Now if you find a sure and a certain person they're gonna stand out in this world. If you find somebody, get around somebody who has got sure in their vocabulary and certain in their vocabulary, you're gonna know something interesting happened to them, especially in the climate we're living in today. And when you see a verse like this, it sounds like the faith that the world thinks faith really is all about. You know, it's like those, those believers or those those religious people, and, and they just live by faith, and their definition of living by faith is taking a leap in the dark. But when we come to the text tonight, we'll understand that walking by faith isn't taking a leap in the dark at all. Walking by faith is taking a step into the promise. And so the question tonight is, what has God promised you, and are you willing to take a step into the promise of God. God's not asking one person in this gathering to take a step or a leap into the dark. He's asking you to take a step into the promise that he has spoken over your life. Now when we find ourselves to chapter 11 in Hebrews, we're already in the middle of an unbelievable story. The story begins in the very first verse of the very first chapter and this is not gonna come up on the screen because it's coming on the fly right now as I'm thinking about it, but I just want you to see a little bit of the story. This is Hebrews 1.1. It says, in the past, if you have your text, you can find it and read along. God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir over all things and through whom he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, that's his death, burial, resurrection, he, Jesus, sat down at the right hand of the majesty capital M, in heaven. So this story we're in, as we journey over to chapter 11 and talk about faith, now faith is to be sure of things we've hoped for, is to be certain of things we haven't seen yet. We're not stepping into the dark, we're in a story that started with a revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ who's made the universe and sustains all things, who saved the world by his mighty power and now is seated with the majesty in heaven. So we're already in a story 
And now we're being called to live by faith. But what is faith? Faith is stepping into a promise. And what is the promise? The promise is right above, beginning in verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. Remember, sure and certain, confident. I know if I go, if I keep tracking on the road, if I don't you know, take uh, the, the fact that they moved the road or the fact that it's raining or the fact that there's traffic or the fact that the journey may, be, may, may not be a straight line, I don't take that as some weird sign that maybe you're not supposed to meet this guy after all or maybe I should just bail or turn around. No, I'm gonna keep on going by faith. If I keep going by faith and I have that confidence I'm telling you tonight, God's gonna be there when you get there. He's gonna be right where he said he's gonna be, and he's gonna do exactly what he said he's going to do. And so he tells them, he says, whatever you do, do not throw away your confidence. What a word for this generation. What a word for right now. What a word for the people of God. Do not throw away your confidence. Remember what God has promised you. Remember what he's spoken over you. And take him at his word. Why? Because his character is good and you can trust him. It says, if you don't throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. Now, there's a word we need. So that when you've done the will of God, hello, you will receive what he has promised. Now, this is taking promises to a whole new level. This is putting things on a far bigger scale. This is us parachuting in, if you will, to an epic story and hearing God say, don't give up on what I've called you to and don't give up on what I promised you. For, he says in verse 37, in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith And if he shrinks back or she shrinks back, I will not be pleased with them. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who believe and are saved. And then he says, now faith, this is what it is. It's being sure of what you've hoped for and being certain of what you haven't seen, which is what? That the God who started it all, the God who created it all, the one who stepped into it all, redeemed it all, sustains it all, is gonna fulfill it all and be the consummation of it all. That God's on his way right now. He's coming back, people, and he's not gonna delay. Put your confidence in him. Whatever he's called you to, put your confidence in him. Whatever he's called you to, keep faith in him. And then he gives us the lenses of people like you and me that we can look through. You know, we, we call this, like I mentioned, the hall of faith, but I'm telling you, these are ordinary people like you and me. And when we first started down the road, like as a middle schooler, and they say, now this is the hall of faith, and there's Enoch, and there's Noah, and there's Abraham, and Sarah, and Moses, and there's Rahab, and and then you get a little bit older, and you start learning who these people are, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, there's some interesting characters in the hall of faith. There's a, a prostitute in the hall of faith. Samson's in the hall of faith, and he blew his life up pretty well. David's in the hall of faith, and though he was a warrior, he crashed big time. 
And so apparently you don't have to be perfect to be in the hall of faith. It's not the hall of perfection, it's the hall of faith. And God isn't looking for people who can say I'm perfect, he's looking for people who say I believe your word is true and I believe you're gonna do what you said you're going to do. And then he gives us these examples and we can see how this works through the lens of their lives. Take for example Abraham in verse eight. It says by faith Abraham, now, when we say by faith, you can just either do a little amen or you can nod or just touch your neighbor. By faith, did you do anything? <laughs> Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. What if that were the sermon? The end, team's gonna come now, we're gonna pray. What has God said, what has God promised, what has God called you to? All right, let's go. Let's obey and let's go. He obeyed and went. And you're like, well, that's probably because he was smarter than all of us or had some insider information. No, even though he did not know where he was going. Now, can I just ask a question tonight? Is there anybody in this room that doesn't know where you're going right now? Anybody could, I just see a show of hands, hold them up as high as you can, bold as you can. Um, wow, okay, we're all in. We're all candidates to be in the hall of faith. You're like, yeah, but I don't know where I'm going. Congratulations, that doesn't disqualify you. As long as you have a promise over your life and you're willing to take a step with God and obey God and go with God even though you don't know where you're going. He obeyed and he went even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, okay. Okay, I'm not losing steam. I'm not losing steam. I don't feel anything up here losing steam. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Anybody feel like you're living in a foreign country? Yes. Amen. Anybody unpacking and you know building up like we're gonna be here forever? Uh-oh. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward, that's important, to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. I can't wait to see that city. I remember flying into Dubai one night, and it seems like just because of schedule, whenever you go to Dubai, you're coming in and coming out in the middle of the night. And you know, Dubai has the tallest building on planet Earth that's built on sand, by the way. There's another sermon in that for another time. But, um, <laughs> We're flying into Dubai, and I mean, you can start seeing the city way in the distance because it's flat as desert, and it's a huge city. And I was so excited the first time I flew there because I had the right seat on the right side of the plane. Don't you love that when that works out that way and you're not trying to peek out somebody else's window shade that's open that much or down all the way because they're watching a movie again while you're flying across the entire world? <laughs> Hashtag shades up. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. It's a thing. If you get on a plane, start watching something on Netflix, you and I are not going to get along in life. If you're flying over the Grand Canyon while you're in the middle of a six-part series, you and I are not on the same page. 
If you watch an animation while you are flying into Dubai, I have nothing to do with you. And I can see in the horizon the city's coming. It's getting closer, getting more clear. And I'm telling you, it's stunning and beautiful. And I've done that in Hong Kong and Jakarta and Sydney and Vancouver. And I'm telling you, the cities of the world, they're, they're stunning. They're amazing. They're, they're mind-boggling to me. But it says that Abraham was on his way and he was looking forward to another city whose architect and builder. So we didn't have to get an architect to dream it up and a contractor who could build it up. We got a God who can dream it up and build it up at the same time. And I'm thinking, what kind of city is our God gonna build? If a man or a woman can build Dubai in a desert, what kind of city can God build? And Abraham was looking forward to that city. It says in verse 11, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Now you may remember that God created, it says in verse three of this chapter of faith that we believe that God made everything out of nothing. A few verses later, if you wanna please God, you gotta have faith that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Another thing, in other words, the thing that moves the heart of God is faith. Faith that he exists. It's a big question right now. Does God exist? I'm like, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I don't believe God exists. I'm like, man, I, re I respect that faith. And I don't, that is, this is not like simple Christian talk. Oh, I just think all this emerged out of some boil somewhere along the way and the most intricately designed thing I've ever seen was staring at me in the mirror today. Oh, wow, that's, that's huge faith, bro. Thank you for that. That just inspired me. And it helped me understand that I've got less faith than you. It takes less faith to believe that a designer made this earth than it does to believe that this earth just happened to be the way it is. And we're gonna get a glimpse of that. I won't get into it too much tonight, but James Webb's found its place in LaGrange Point too. If you don't know about that, check it out. It's gonna change your life. You're like, I don't know about that stuff, don't care about astronomy, and please don't talk about it one more time here because I'm really not into it. It's gonna change your life. You're like, how, how will it change my life? How will the, the Webb Telescope change my life? Because it's gonna be able to see things that are gonna cause humanity to wonder and stand in awe. Three times the size of the mirror of Hubble. Hubble's 340 miles above the earth. This guy's sitting a million miles out with the technology and sophistication to see certain kinds of rays of light that are gonna, as scientists say, say allow us to see right back to the time after the Big Bang. Can you imagine that? Imagine getting that on your device. Look at this, guys. We're getting closer and closer to the Big Bang. And I'm like, and how did the Big Bang bang? <laughs> well, there was just stuff. Okay, great. Where did it come from? I don't know. Wow, that's a great philosophy to build your whole life on. 
when he says, God created. Man obliterated. But God had mercy. And then man just shoved it right back in his face. So God judged through the flood, but he spared a family so life could flourish again. And then he called Abraham and said, you're gonna be my guy. I need you to take a step of faith because I'm gonna bring together a people. They're gonna be called the people of God. And through the people of God that I'm gonna bring together through you, I know you're old, I know your wife can't have kids, I get all that, but I'm promising you, you're gonna be the father of a mighty nation. Your descendants are gonna outnumber the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the beaches of the world. I'm gonna do this, Abraham, and I need you to take a step of faith with me because out of these people, these people of God is gonna come a person. He's gonna be the God-man, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and he is gonna redeem humanity and put everything right and make a way for everyone who has faith in him to come into a relationship with me. He's gonna establish through the spirit and build his church, which will be light in a darkened world, and then he's coming back soon and very soon. Don't you doubt my promise, and he is gonna gather up his people and take them to the city I'm building. This is the story of God. And so Abraham, he lives in the Ur of Chaldeans, and he says, okay, God says, I need you to leave it all, and I need you to follow me, and he takes the step. When we follow his journey, it looks something like this. He comes out of the Ur of Chaldeans, which is uh, present-day Iraq, and then he goes to Haran, and he's there for quite a good season of life, which would be southern Turkey, and then eventually his father dies, and he does journey down, and he does cross, as you can see right there, the Jordan River. He does enter into the Promised Land, to Shechem, to Bethel, to Jerusalem, where on Mount Moriah, he offers this one and only miracle son that comes into his story to God. But oh, there's a ram in the thicket, because Jehovah Jireh always provides. I tested the heart, God came through, and I see that you are a man who believes in the promise of God. What we're missing on the map is they have a famine in the land, so Abraham ends up going down to Egypt, and the story continues, and that's why Moses comes into the story. And when you look at it now, you go, oh, okay, that's how it all worked out for Abram, but all Abram knew was leave Ur with me. He had some kind of an encounter with God. We, we don't know what the call was like. It's not described in great detail, but it was a powerful enough encounter with a powerful enough God that he said, if you're asking me to leave it all and take a step with you, I'm taking a step with you. And once you take the step, God will unfold the promise. See, what we want is the map. You're like, if you could only put my map up there and not Abraham's map, because I'm not that interested in Abraham's map, I can probably find that and Google that myself. But Louis, if you could put my map up there, that would be awesome. And I'm telling you, God isn't interested in giving you a map. He's interested in you taking a step. God gave most of us a map. He'd never see us again. God didn't create you for a map. He created you for relationship with him. And if he told you what the next 10 miles are, he probably wouldn't hear from you for 10 miles. But if he told you what this next step was, you take hold of his hand and say, okay, if you're gonna call me to take one step, I'm gonna take one step. And then, oh great, we're gonna have to do this again because you're gonna have to show me the next step because I don't know anything but one step, but I've got you in an encounter with you and I'm willing to take that step with you. 
What an amazing story tonight of this family that were called to bring a, a, a little boy into their home on short notice through the power of adoption. But they didn't have the 40 grand it took to pull this thing off. And so they posted and said, hey, if you could help us through the week. Wasn't that amazing, just hearing that? And 250 people jumped into the post and said, not only can we help you through the week, but they gave the 40 grand that would allow them to do the thing that God had called them to do. But I think the story went like this. We got the little boy, we took the step, and then God fulfilled the promise of what he called us to do. God didn't give him the 40 grand and say, oh, by the way, I'm gonna drop 40 Gs on you, and then you can easily just take a step of faith. He said, no, I need you to take a step of faith, and then know that I'm gonna be the one who is gonna provide the ram in the thicket once you step out in faith. And that's what God's gonna do in your life, the very same thing he did in the life of Abraham. He wants to put us in a story, but you've got to take the step. And here's the thing tonight. You are so far ahead of Abraham. And if I can just maybe cut it down to this. We honestly have no reason not to walk by faith. Notice what it says about Abraham in this next paragraph. Coming down in verse 13. It said, all these people were still living by faith. When they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, man... What a, what a verse if you wanna highlight something and stick it on your mirror. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Come down to the end of the chapter. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, hello, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And so they're in the middle of a story. They're all kind of detours. Uh, they're, they're all kind of reasons why the road seems like it's been moved or the weather shifted, conditions have changed, circumstances aren't what they had expected, but they kept on going by faith. Even Samson, who'd blown his whole life up, at the very end of the day when they were making a mockery of him uh, in the Philistine temple put his hands on the pillar and said, dear God, if one more time you'll use me, I want to bring glory to you. And the last thing he did was to give himself in belief that God had put a calling on his life to bring glory to God. And God did and fulfilled that promise. 
What promise has he spoken over you? And are you willing to fight the fight of faith? I believe that the church in a lot of ways has gotten the entire faith equation backwards. We have believed that faith is the thing that activates God doing for us what we need. When none of these people got everything they were believing for, but yet they're all in the hall of faith. They all died still living by faith, still looking for that city, still believing in that promise. What promise? That the one who's coming is coming quickly and he will not delay. And you're like, well, it's a long time ago. Why didn't he come? Didn't seem like he came too quickly. We did that talk a few months ago. Jesus is coming soon, asterisk. Go check it out. The asterisk is very important and helpful. But these people were hoping for what we have seen. They didn't know that his name called Emmanuel the one born in Bethlehem, Jesus, who would save us from our sins. They didn't know that the Magi came and bowed down and the angels sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men on whom his favor rested. They were just looking off in the distance, believing the prophets had told them God's putting everything back together and he's sending someone who is gonna sit on the throne of thrones. But we have seen the cross, and we have tasted resurrection power. We now know Jesus Christ and are filled with the very spirit of almighty God. So are you willing to fight the fight of faith? We talked about it so many times here, and I almost didn't at, at, at this gathering today. I did in, in the morning, but I, I think I'll talk about it probably until, until we arrive at the holy city. Um, coming into Passion this year, that's what it was about. At least I can say that, you know, for, for my journey, it was about the fight of faith. And if you map it from start to finish, because it's got a short history, well, it's got a long history, but Passion 2022 really started in May when the Benz called and said, hey, football season is settled. This has happened, our schedule. There's this little window of two days. If you guys would like to do Passion, we'd like to have you. And we were like, you gotta be kidding. It's May this something. You don't do stuff like this on six months notice. You don't jump into something like this in this kind of a global climate. So uh, no, we don't wanna do that. <laughs> And then it was like, well, wait a minute, we should pray first and inquire of the Lord. And so we did. And everything about Passion 2022 made no sense. We don't know what the climate's gonna be. We don't know where the pandemic's gonna be. Uh, we don't have any money, uh, contrary to popular opinion and some very well-informed opinions, apparently, uh, all throughout the social media universe. We uh, just make a lot of bank on Passion Conference, but Passion Conference had zero money in May. Zero. We'd refunded every ticket. We'd sold every event for the last year and a half. Our team was in major transition, like almost every team you're a part of has been in the last year and a half. We really were not in fighting shape to do an event on that scale, and neither was anybody else on planet Earth, honestly. 
we didn't have enough run up. Uh, we didn't have a kickstart. We didn't have hardly any reason why all the reasons were no way we're going to do that. But when we prayed and sought the Lord and we went with our leaders, our elders, our board and sought God, we sensed God clearly say to us, go for it. The world needs it. Go for it. Go stand on your corner. If they're giving you a two-day corner, go stand on it and go proclaim the name of Jesus and call a generation together. And I'm telling you, I'm gonna do it and I will be there. When you get there, I will be there. If you'll take the step, I promise you, when you get there, I will be there. And we said, okay, we're in. And then we fought like crazy. Of course we did. We worked hard because faith without works is, is dead. So there was a lot of effort and a lot of energy, but mostly it was a fight of faith. It was a fight of faith to believe that God said he was gonna do this. God said that he would do this. God said he would do it. And we'd heard from God. And it wasn't hearing from God in some weird way where I was on a walk one day uh, tracking along with God and a, a branch fell out of a tree and landed on the ground in front of me. And when I looked at it from an angle, it looked like the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And I thought, oh, I have a word from God. We're supposed to gather a generation together on January 2nd and 3rd. No, it was like a solidified we from the leaders of our organization to say God's done it in the past and he's gonna do it again. We've seen him do it in the past, we'll see him do it again. We did see him do it on the very first night of a 17-city global tour in Kiev, Ukraine, and we're gonna see him do it again. And we took a step, just a step. I don't know what the whole map's gonna look like from May till the end, but I do know that it's gonna end up with arrows that are flaming for the name of Jesus all around earth. And I do know that when we walk through the door, it looked like this. And as many times as I see that, I just think God does what he says he's going to do. There were so many times, I know for me, that I was getting a little fissure in that faith. A headline, a phone call, a circumstance, a shortage somewhere. Things that weren't adding up as quickly as we had hoped. And there would be a little crack and I would be like, I'm gonna fight so hard for this crack because I don't believe that faith is just getting you to do what I need you to do in my story. I believe more like these men and women that faith is having someone who will stand on the corner and be a witness in the world that they believe that God comes through on his promises. And the only thing that really, really mattered was I wanted to walk in the door and say, God, we made it here and we believed you. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. God's heart isn't moved by people who can figure out how to do something big. God's heart is moved by people who believe that he will do what he says he will do.
And you heard me give the talk at Passion, many of you. But I watched it the other night for the very first time, which it, it's all weird and kind of jumbled up, but I might not have watched 50 of my messages in my lifetime, so that's rare. And I watched the whole message, and I, it, I came to the end of it, and I said to Shelly, if something happens to me today, and there's one talk of mine that can be played for the rest of time on earth as my voice is witness to the church and to the people of God, let it be that one. And you know the story, moving here in 1995, uh, all of our world turned upside down as my dad dies of a heart attack, not too far from here. Just as we've arrived in Atlanta to help my mom take care of him after seven years of disability, cute confusion and the crazy season, but then this vision is birthed in our hearts, this promise is given to us, I'm gonna do something, this generation of students, I'm gonna do something among college students, it's gonna blow your mind and you're gonna be a part of it. And we're like, what is it? He goes, I just need you to take a step. Can you show us how it works? I just need you to take a step. Can you explain it all? I just need you to take a step. Because if I try to tell you about this thing that's gonna happen in 2021 going into 2022, you'll bail on me right now. I just need you to take a step and believe the promise that I'm gonna move in a generation. I'm gonna awaken a generation. I'm gonna awaken a whole new wave. I'm gonna do something no one else can do. And you're unemployed, you're in a confused state, you don't know where you're going and you don't know which end is up. You're a good candidate for me to use you and invite you into this story. And passion in 1995 was born. We took that first concrete step and. January 1st, 97, that came around the idea of a generation of students that would live for the glory of God, sitting in a living room in Roswell, Georgia. Four people. The road hadn't been easy, hadn't been a straight line all the time. There's been a lot of times that we've really had to fight for faith. Because what we wanted to unleash in the world is not an event. And so we had to fight for faith that God could do what he said he would do. In the confusing season of 1995, when he made that promise, he had to fight that we're gonna believe God. And he's not gonna give you the map. And so even tonight, it would probably honor him if you just said, God, I don't even want a map. I, I don't need to know how I'm gonna get from Tennessee to, then I was in Florida for a minute and then I was out on the West Coast and now here I am in Atlanta. Can you show me where I'm gonna go from Atlanta and how long I'll be there and where I'll go from there? And can you let me know where I'm gonna end up maybe for a minute and then show me how things, just tell them tonight, I don't even want a map. I just want you and I wanna take a step. And if you'll do that tonight, I promise you, he will give you signs along the way that you are on the right track and he will be with you along the way like he was with me the night I gave that message at Passion. Can I just tell the story again? So I'm watching the Peach Bowl on my TV. There comes the photo. 
I'm, I'm just knowing as soon as this football game ends, they're gonna clear the stadium and give it to us. And a few hours after the game ends, they do. And so somehow our team takes a photo of the field right before they began to put the cover on the field. They put the cover on the field first so we can build a stage and put the shard in the middle and do all these things. And then eventually all that stuff is put on top and passion begins. And then it's my turn to serve and I walk up onto this little thing we call the shard at the middle of the field on the 50 yard line and I already know it's coming. It's happened to me once before and it caught me off guard in the Georgia Dome, but it didn't catch me off guard this night because I saw it coming a few months before and then I saw it coming when I took that picture of the football bowl game that was happening the night before our load in for passion. And I'm like, God, you are doing it again. The odds of this are very low, but, but here's a guy that you called in 1995 to take a step and now I stand on top of the beloved logo of America, the Chick-fil-A logo the sponsor of the Peach Bowl, and I'm gonna preach my sermon on top of that beloved, wonderful logo that my father created in 1964. In our living room in Smyrna, Georgia, working a freelance job after hours, with a tracing pad and a pencil in his hand, sitting on the sofa, my dad created what is the Chick-fil-A logo. And now here I am standing literally on top of it in this moment. Hearing my heavenly father not give me a blow by blow. Here's why your dad got sick. Here's why he got the brain virus. Here's the first surgery, the stroke, the second surgery, the hardships, the difficulties, all the seven years of suffering. Let me explain all that to you, Louis. No, I didn't get that. But what I did get was the applause of a heavenly father who was saying, Louis, thank you for taking a step of faith with me. I want you to go and do the thing I've called you to do tonight. I want you to go and share the message I've given you to share tonight. I want you to preach in boldness tonight knowing that I am with you. I want you to serve the people tonight in the same way that I have served you. And I am telling you, I have never felt more confident in my life and so happy that I didn't take a U-turn and throw away my confidence too soon. And that's what God's saying to you tonight. Do you understand that you know more than David, more than Moses, more than Abraham, more than Samson, more than Rahab, more than Jephthah? You know more than the prophets. You've seen more, tasted more, experienced more. You're filled with more. You are aware of more. You are closer to the heavenly city than they were. And do you understand tonight, do we understand tonight, Cana is on the horizon. Come on church, do you understand? We were singing this morning this new song that Sean has brought to the church which is bringing back the word Maranatha which somehow got jettisoned from the lexicon of our faith. The last word in the Bible, come Lord Jesus. We were singing today that this earth is not our home. I know we, we know the words, but do we act like it? Do we think like it? Are we hopeful like it? 
You're like, Louis, the world's falling apart. That only means the heavenly city is getting closer and closer. Jesus said, when you hear all these things, what things? He named them in Luke. He said, wars and revolutions and pestilence and plague and earthquake and famine. When you hear all these things he said in Luke, he said, stand up and lift your eyes because your redemption is drawing nigh. Stand up because you know the birth pains are getting closer and closer and closer together, meaning the baby's coming sometime soon. So stand up and look up. Don't look around at whatever voices are coming and get shaken up. Stand up and look up and go, yes, the world is falling apart. That means the holy city whose architect and builder is God is nearby. This is the promise. The promise wasn't that we were gonna have this amazing life. The promise was if we endured, we would arrive at the holy city. And when we got there, we would know for sure that we made the right decision. We we didn't throw away our confidence. Do you believe it? I mean, for real, do, do we believe it tonight? And do we have enough confidence in God? The the little Instagram post always says, the windshield of the car or the windscreen, if you're watching from another part of the English speaking world, is way bigger than the rear view mirror because that's what's ahead and that is what is in your past. That gets a lot of likes. And I'm not knocking it. But let's don't undervalue the rear view mirror. Because yes, all our pain and hurt of the past is in it, but also all of God's faithfulness is in it. And if you don't see God's faithfulness in the rear view mirror of your life, how are you gonna trust him in confidence for all the vision that is in the windshield of your future? And do you know that at the end of the day, the windshield of your future It's not just about you having a more fulfilling life on earth. It's about you being faithful and a witness to the promise of God, no matter what comes, no matter what season, no matter what circumstance, I'm gonna be a witness to the faithfulness of God because he's building a city and I'm going to it. He is building a city and he's coming back for me. He's building a city that's more glorious than anything we could ever imagine and we're gonna be in that city with him. This is not what it's all about. This is an opportunity to walk by faith. And where we're going, people, there is no depression where we're going. Oh, come on. Can I get a witness from anybody here that where we're going, there is no depression. There is no anxiety in the city of God. There is nothing to fear in the city of God. There is no evil there. There is no darkness there. There is no night there. Jesus is in that city. There is no lack there. There is no broken bank account there. 
There are no hospitals in the city of God. The one thing they did not build in the eternal city of God was a jailhouse. They did not build a rehab center because there is no addiction where we're going in the city of our God. There's no weeping there. There's no mourning there. There's no dying there. There's no sickness there. There's no cancer there. There is nothing there that can come against the people of God. It is a land of milk and honey. For real, it's a land of supernatural abundance. It is the final land of racial harmony because in that land, there's gonna be unity and diversity as every nation, every language, every people, and every tribe all together with one voice in the human race acknowledge one Savior, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we sing the song of the redeemed, we will be people who are there because a man who was old and a woman who was barren believed the promise of God and stepped out in faith. And because they did, we will dance on streets of gold and we will sing hallelujah to the King of Kings. This is the promise of God over your life and it will not be broken and it will never fail. Take a step, take a step tonight in faith. This promise will never, ever fail. If you believe it, say amen. If you believe it, say yes tonight. I don't need a map. I've got Jesus. I've got Jesus. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.